business, your life. Challenges are all around you. It seems so overwhelming. People are depending on you. Who do you listen to? Where can you go to find honest, useful information? Todd Rooker. For decades, Todd Rooker has been teaching professional education to attorneys, CPAs, bankers, and financial advisors. Rooker Financial Consulting offers advice and coaching to consumers, business owners, and financial professionals on every topic imaginable. If you truly want to succeed, sit back and find out how to cover and build your assets. Here's nationally renowned speaker and expert getting you on the path to financial strength and wealth, Todd Rooker. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. How are you out there? We are uh, the last weekend leading up to Christmas. Where has the time gone? How is it even possible that we are winding up 2023? Goodness gracious. Uh, I, I, it seems as though I was just working with people, myself, my my family, my clients, and, and setting goals for 2023. And man, it's already, it's already over. Kind of shocking. Uh, I, uh, I, I just, uh, say bring on the global warming. <laughs> no, no snow. <laughs> I mean, I've lived through, I guess, uh, maybe a few, uh, quite a few, maybe, uh, brown Christmases, but I don't know how many I've lived through where it's been, you know, 40 degrees and 50 degrees the whole time and just uh it's straight up freaky this is the freaky december it is it is i mean you know look the last several years i know we've had a few here and there uh but the last several years generally by march you're into 40 degree days by the time march is up and winter is pretty much over i know you get a snowfall or two thereafter late March, early April, but it's, but it just melts right away. So, you know, I've always thought of March time in the Twin Cities. Remember, I'm from Crookston where winter legitimately is six, seven months long. But in the, in the Twin Cities, hey man, by March, Christmas, winter's pretty much over. So worst case scenario, we're going to get two two months, maybe two and a half months of, of Why snow. Why are you saying worst case scenario? Worst case scenario, we do get that rare winter that stretches out to June. <laughs> okay. Listen, I... I December was so easy, and I, then January came. I know. I so appreciate your sentiment. You are a true Minnesotan. I love snow. Yeah, I mean, I like snow, too, when it, for, for a while. <laughs> <laughs> we all we all wish for snow and then it comes and we go okay <laughs> now how long do we have to wait until it's gone i you know i'm i'm a big fan of the idea of uh you know like three days before christmas it starts snowing you have a nice heavy snowfall oh. going into christmas snow stays on the ground until january 2nd winter's over let's back it up we're done <laughs> you know it you know it i agree i agree love the pretty snow wake up you know christmas morning and it's all glistening out there and it's just oh you're so warm inside and it's wonderful and then about two weeks later you say all right i'm done <laughs> snowing again yeah again again what's up with that uh, you know, here in Minnesota, we haven't had a lot of moisture. So, you know, the snow wouldn't be a horrible thing from a weather perspective. But, you know, it, I got Don't worry, it's going to rain on Christmas. I, I understand that. Yeah. And that's, and I mean, we certainly need that. But it's, it's a good thing. I, 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 I love it. Um, and you know what? We have to enjoy the weather regardless because we have zero 
control over it. So, so it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. Hey, the show today is about, uh, it's about making a purchase and new versus used. That's going to be the title, Evan, making a purchase new versus used and uh, how to, how to consider that decision. But I did want to say, you know, we are winding up the end of the year and there's so many things that are good that have happened. And it's kind of like everything that I, that we discuss here on the show. And and one of them, one of the topics that's relatable, germane to that is that focus on the things that you can do versus worrying and and having apprehension and and uh, fear of the things you can't do. Focus on the things that you can do, and those things that maybe in your mind you think you can't do, don't have any control over the world is happening to you. Well, ironically, when you start doing the things that you can do, it becomes more reasonable that you can do things that maybe at this moment you don't think you can do down the road. So uh, likewise here today, I would say let's not focus on the things that are negative, at all. And let's focus on all the things that were good, that were positive. And I don't care who you are over the course of a year. There are many things that have happened to you in your life that have been good things that we can look back on and we can be thankful for. I know a lot of folks struggle with this time of the year. Um, uh, I, I've always looked at this as really a, a wonderful time of the year. Um, and one might even say the most wonderful time of the year. Most wonderful time of the year. Thank you, Evan. I agree a hundred percent. And and I I feel for those of you who have had challenges, maybe uh, having challenges uh, coming back from from military and the war, dealing with some tragedies that have happened. I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you, folks, this. I'll confide in you. This uh, in 1984, my mother passed away at the age of. 44 years old um, on December 31st. Uh, and so that this time of the year is something that I cannot help but reflect. New Year's Eve is always a time when I am incapable of not reflecting on that. My mother passed away in the hospital. Um, and uh, and I remember uh, I had come home and my brother and sister were with me. We were at my uncle and aunt's house because... Um, well, we just were, my dad was in the hospital and my dad called me. I was the oldest. I was in the military and I was at home from the military. My brother and sister who are quite a bit younger than me, my brother's five years younger than me. My sister's 10 years younger than me. So they were kids. Um, and I, I, the phone rang, my uncle answered it and said, it's for you. I got out of my dad said, your, your, your mother's gone. And I remember looking at my brother and sister with tears streaming down my face and and uh, didn't say much, said we had to go. And we went and got in the car. I got him in the car and I started the car up. Or maybe I didn't start the car up. And I had to tell him in the car that, that our mother was gone. So I have, I guess, reasons during this period of time uh, not to have joy. But I, I, I choose to look at all the great times that I had with my mother and, uh, and some of you have got stories that are much, much worse, but you know what? We all, regardless, are going to have to focus on the joy in our lives and finding joy in your life. That's 
something that is valuable. I don't care what time of the year. You know, when I was cleaning the barn, <laughs> shoveling manure, uh, well, actually, it's a pitchfork, but uh, putting it in the manure spreader and cleaning the barn and the stanchions out. And I would literally be in 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 the wintertime, colder than a you-know-what, and I would be telling myself jokes <laughs> silently and laughing out loud, finding the joy and just enjoying the life. And I think we all have to find ways to do that. And there's, there's everything that is bad is good. Uh, some of the worst times in the military were made some of the best by just having a whole bunch of guys dealing with utter misery and just laughing and cracking up. <laughs> in the midst of some of the worst times imaginable. So that's what it means to find the joy. And it's there, and it's always there, and you can always find it. And if you do struggle during these times of the year, what I would say is the best way for you to to eliminate that, and I do mean eliminate that, is to focus on one thing only, making other people happy. If if you can focus on one thing during this wonderful time of the year, it is making it wonderful and special for everybody around you without any consideration whatsoever to you. And there is nothing, nothing better than being loved and appreciated by other people. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling low, simply flip the switch and focus on making other people in your life happy. Do not talk about the things that are that are getting you down. Do not look to them to bring you up. Focus on bringing them up, and it will instantly change your perspective. Uh, that's it is it is as simple as that. Hey man, you got it tough. Go work on the food line. Go help those who have nothing. And in short order, you become very grateful and very joyful for life because the irony is those people find joy. Folks who are living and struggling on the streets find joy. People who are working two full-time jobs find joy. Everybody can look around, no matter how bad it is, and find somebody who's got it tougher. So you know what? Just get on with it. Be happy. Make other people happy. Focus on that, and you will not, you cannot help but be thankful, grateful, and be joyful. So I would I would say that is the one thing, if you can take away from this entire show, do that, and you're going to have a fabulous holiday season. Fabulous. So let's move into our topic. Uh, it is a financial show after all. Sometimes I forget that, I think. <laughs> Sorry, Todd's sermons are on all of life sales. There you go. There you go. Because they are all relatable, aren't they? Our... our, our our uh, our demeanor, our sense of the world, our our uh, our perspective is always influencing the way we go out into the world, and certainly with with sales, building a company, building a build, business, building one's financials, uh, all about uh, all about mindset. So, uh, making a purchase new versus used, it is really an interesting thing, and the reason that I bring this up is because I have. A wonderful client uh, by the name of, of uh, well, I'm going to leave that out. Um, but she is just wonderful. And she and her mother were in my office last uh, appointment of the day. And we were having a conversation about the purchase of a business. And a little bit of it went to, do we start something new 
or do we buy an existing business? Now, many of you are confronted with this on your in your daily lives with many, many different things. And that might be a car, that might be a house, that might be, oh, just a barrage of things where you might have the uh, have the the decision to make of do I want to buy new or do I want to get used? And I guess for some of the major things in life, that's the way I would want to look at it. For some of the major things in life, how do I make that decision? And some of those decisions I am well aware are 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 decided upon simply because I want this thing. I want a new thing that nobody else has ever touched. And I sure appreciate that. I can understand that. Um, I, I have been fortunate uh, to have had a new car and had a, a new house that, that no one else have, has lived in. But, you know, if you have had that, you know that many, like many other things, it's not all it's cracked up to be. In other words, it's okay. It's great. I have it now, but it's not like once I've had it now, I, I can't do without that. If I ever move to another home or have ever buy a new car, by goodness, it has to be new. Maybe some of you say that is the case. I don't know. But <clears throat> there's a price to be paid for new versus used. And on the other hand, buying something used means it's going to take a little more finesse, intelligence, research to make sure that you're making a wise choice um, because, you know, you could you could get beaten up in that too. But the reality is that it's been a thing since the first home that I ever purchased that when you buy a new home, that home, once it's been purchased by you, it now is in the secondary market. It's a bit like cars, right? Uh, people will say things like, well, you know, you drive that car off the lot, you lose X number of thousands of dollars. And it's not actually true, by the way. Well, it depends on the car. Well, let me let me be a little more clear and then then you see if 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 you agree with me. Um it is it is not the driving off the lot, it is the transfer of the title that puts it into the secondary market. So, if that were true, you know, remember that car salespeople are given cars that they get to drive. They put hundreds and sometimes even thousands of miles on those cars, but those are still sold as new cars. It's when the title gets transferred that it no longer is new. And now the reason for that is because now the comparables to justify its value are now compared with, when I say secondary market, it's now a second owned car. It's been owned by someone. And that relates to the title transfer. So when that takes place, it changes everything. It does that on a home and it does that with nearly everything and, and whatever signifies that, that you know that that's the case. So it's ironic that, you know, you could live in a spec as a builder trying to sell a house. And when you sell that house, um, you're going to be selling it and trying to trying to get, you know, new home prices. When you when you buy a car that has, you know, you know, 1300 miles on it, it's still going to be sold as a new car. But you transfer that title and drive it back in a week later and that value is going to change quite dramatically. Well, that kick in the pants is something that you have to recognize and it is there and it exists in nearly everything. And so the challenge with that is now you have to be in it, ownership that is, in that ownership long enough to enjoy the benefit of taking that hit, that big dip, and then seeing it come back somewhat. Now, in the in the case of cars, you might say what I'm really looking for is 
when the amount of financing that I put on the car, assuming you didn't buy it with cash, is not upside down. Because, you know, you buy a car brand new, you finance that car, and between the finance costs and the new car, you buy it, and and in very short order, you are upside down in so much as you owe more money than what that car is worth, and it takes a while before you even reach an equal position or equilibrium in that regard. So, you know, that is not unlike a home where it hits the secondary market. It was brand new. We've now lived in it for a couple of years, and we paid this much money, but you may have to go several years before if you go to sell that home, it's it's worth what you paid for it. And I'm not sure everybody recognizes that. Now I'll I'll agree with any real estate agent that there are in some markets where you are in an area neighborhood that is so desirable that maybe that doesn't happen as much or even at all. But for the most part it does. It does happen. Well <clears throat> I have a lot of uh folks who are considering being in business for themselves. And I'll say this because I I fully appreciate it. It's profound that someone uh, gathers up the courage to instead of taking the traditional path of a job and no matter what anybody says, people deny this because everybody justifies, justifies, justifies. The reality is the reason people don't go into business for themselves Sometimes it's because they have a bad taste in their mouth. Maybe their parents were entrepreneurial, owned their own business, and they watched their parents toil and struggle their whole lives, and they just have no desire for that. And I, I, I know and I appreciate that that is a thing. But <clears throat> what it really is is that people are drawn to safety and security, and we are trained that, maybe we could say indoctrinated into that way of thinking from the time that we were little to always be safe and secure. And safety and security means that you don't go outside into risk. And risk is always perceived as things that you don't understand. I, frankly, believe that telling people never to do anything that's dangerous to stay safe and secure is quite literally a way to control the population. Because I do not believe that those who are in control, who will always be the people who are exceedingly wealthy, own big businesses, and are in government, who absolutely seek control, anyone who has control always seeks ever more control. And the reality is that people who are who are not financially strong can be much more easily controlled than those who are financially independent. Now, I'm not talking about the Zuckerbergs and the and the Gates and and those people. Those are outliers who make millions and billions of dollars. And those people are brought into those tents very quickly. I'm not talking about those people. They're, they actually are part of the of the issue. But, but the, the folks who have the financial capacity to support the educational system and influence the psyche of the, of the public, those are the people who really have no desire to really train their own competition and, and give people that strength, at least on the, on, on a grand scale, the ability to do that. So everybody is taught to be fearful of, 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 uh, of, uh, risk. And so don't owe anybody any money. Don't take any risks. Always take the safe and secure path. And as a result, you stay very controllable your entire lives. And that represents, what, 95% of the population? So I believe that when you are, when you look at 
a business, having been taught that your whole life, and I'm not debating and I'm asking, not asking your opinion because I know I'm right. I am saying that when somebody has the, the, the strength of character, the god-awful uh, d- belief in themselves and the courage to say, I'm going to go into business for myself and I'm going to eat what I kill. And if I don't bring in any money, honey, we starve this month. It takes a lot of courage to do that. And it even takes a lot of courage. Let's take a step before that and say a, 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 a salesperson who is 100% commission is in the same boat. It takes a lot of courage to do that. So anytime somebody is sitting across from me and says that they want to start a business or they want to go into direct uh, sales or 100% sales commission position, I am impressed with that person and immediately figure they've got some self-confidence if they have if they have the mental capacity to do that. It's a big deal. But the last thing that I want to see, if I'm going to be of any assistance to them, is to watch them fail and then have that have that failure become a thing for them where in their lives they start perceiving that everything they do going forward is going to be a failure too because it's very easy to succeed, 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 succeed and come to the belief that everything you do from here on out is going to succeed and it's likewise equally powerful in that if you have a few failures, you come to that same conclusion and it really stymies your growth in your life. And so as much as you don't want to ever, ever fail, you can't let the potential for failure stop you. But for me, I don't ever want to see a person fail because I know what I've just said can happen. And I want people to go on and become ever more successful as they go. So I am mindful and I am concerned with, are they making a good choice? And does this have statistically a reasonably good shot at being successful? Now, many is it a time that I will tell people that you're not getting my blessing on this one. I don't say it that way, but I've heard other people say it's, it, I didn't get Todd's or Rooker's blessing on this. <laughs> so I'm just mimicking that. But I, there is, there is not many, but there are times when I say to somebody, I don't think that's a great idea. And it's not really, maybe, maybe it's not even my place to say that. But I love doing that because when someone gets that from me, and they say, yeah, I hear you, but I'm going to do it anyway. And they go out into the world and do this thing, maybe in a different way, maybe take a different approach to it. And they prove me wrong. Oh, do I love that? Oh, do I love that? Now, maybe part of that had to do with the fact that from the very beginning, they expected it to be a lot harder and they expected that they had to overcome this challenge, this thing that I just told them, you're not going to make it. And because that got their dander up, that was enough to cause them to, to approach things differently and overcome the very challenges that I had laid out there. Um, but when I think about buying a, a new home or buying a new business or buying a piece of, in, of investment real estate, and I compare the cost of new versus used I know that I've got a much taller bar uh, to to overcome in terms of the numbers with new than I am that I do with used. And an, an example uh, in that is that a lot of people go to buy buildings today, commercial buildings. And as someone who owns a business, buying a commercial building, you should know, is much, much easier if you're going to be one of the tenants. 
And the reason for that is because if you are already renting, you're already spending money. And so when I work with a business owner, one of the first things I look for is to see if they are renting. Because I know that those dollars are dollars that can be more easily deployed, or not easily, but can be deployed elsewhere and can create an asset for them where they're not right now. So, you know, if somebody's paying 10 grand a month in rent, well, they've already become accustomed to forking out that amount of money every single month. And as a result, all we need to do is direct that same amount of money in a different direction that now yields benefit to them in the way of paying down a loan, which of course increases their equity position and ownership of that asset. And in addition to, they may benefit from something that's speculative, I know, but if the value of that of that building, that property, that business goes up, they're also benefiting from that total asset value going up without any respect for whether they do or don't have a loan on it. And that's something that they're not getting as a renter. So the bar is very, very low. So when you're looking at that, consider where you're coming from to begin with. And that will tell you whether or not you can, you have a low bar or a higher bar. Now I'm going to talk about what an investor has as a contrast and then show you how this could be done and then show you the huge difference between new and used and the things you want to look for in used if you're going to go that direction versus brand new. We're going to take a break. We will be right back. Are you missing anything in your plan? Find out with JLN Financial's Retirement Checklist. If you could check all the boxes on the list, you may be ready for retirement. If not, JLN Financial can help. Get this checklist now at rhythmofretirement.com slash checklist challenge. That's rhythmofretirement.com slash checklist challenge. Jay Allen Financial offers insurance services. Investing involves risk. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC, AEWM, AEWM, and Jay Allen Financial are not affiliated companies. Fix Auto has been the collision repair leader in the Twin Cities for over 40 years. Hi, I'm Matt Feehan, second generation owner. Our mission at Fix Auto is to provide you with the simplest collision repair experience anywhere. If you're in an accident and you need help, my team is here and ready for you. You can find us on the web at fixautousa.com. That's fixautousa.com. We are Fix Auto, home of the WOW experience. If you or anyone you know are in a financially challenged situation, listen. My name is Todd Rooker. For over 20 years, I've been helping people strategically plan for and deal with a financial crisis. My typical client may have previously had a substantial net worth and are now in fear of losing their personal home. My clients will often say, in the past, I was financially successful. However, at this point, I'm exhausting all of my financial resources trying to make my payments on time. I feel as though I'm simply delaying the inevitable by throwing good money after bad. So my questions are, Todd, do I just let the bank liquidate my business? Do I need to consider things like foreclosure, short sale, deed in lieu, loan modification, credit counseling, or even bankruptcy? And then most importantly, how do I minimize the damage and rebuild my life when this disaster is over? This is my world, and I teach classes on those very topics. So if you or anyone you know is in this situation or you want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download, Financial Crisis Bible, or call us at 763-559-3800. Hey, are you considering something exceptional to set your home apart and highlight its curb appeal? How about the rich look of custom copper gutters? Copper gutters are not only beautiful, they also offer timeless durability. 
William Voss with Gutter Solutions installed my beautiful copper gutters. I get compliments every day. If you're looking for extraordinary craftsmanship and would like to consider something truly special, call him at 612-834-0664 or go to their website, SeamlessSolutionsMN.com. Ask for Billy. Hi, this is Troy Danner of Danner's Cabinet Shop. My family has been building custom cabinets and countertops for homes in Minnesota for over 50 years. We still make the cabinets the way my grandpa did when he founded our company. My team of skilled craftsmen pride themselves on attention to detail and making sure every element of your project goes perfectly. Give me a call at 763-753-4002 or visit us online at dannerscabinets.com. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back. So just uh, to add on to that, you know, so the bar, the bar is low. Uh, I'm just going to add another piece of this. Remember, if you're, if you're writing a check for rent for, for your lease payment in your commercial space, your, your, your redemption in terms of what are you getting out of that is financially very likely next to nothing. Next to nothing. That's a pretty low bar, isn't it? Uh, the one thing I will say that you are getting out of it is that you have, as I pointed out before the break, become accustomed to making a payment at that level. And so your business has demonstrated that it can support that expense and still be a profitable business. That's That in and of itself is big because for a lot of people who work out of their homes or their garages, or their basements, they think that's the ticket. They think that's the ticket. It's not. My goal, my stated goal, is that I want my business to have, to require a space to occupy, other than my house. I want that. I want to move out and lease a space for a year, two, three years, to determine that I can I can, my business can afford to do that because that amount of money that I'm directing now has proved that I can now afford to have my business buy, pay, purchase an asset for me without any challenge. That, that is probably the best benefit to renting. Other than that, you're not making any money in those payments. Uh, each month. Now your business might be making money because the business makes money, but in terms of making that payment, it's not, it's not adding any more to your bottom line. So it doesn't take much. Now on the flip side, if I take that same amount of money, if it were possible, if it worked and I were able to direct it towards making a payment towards equity or interest and, and principal each month, P and I payment, principal and interest, well, even though a lot of that payment that I make goes to interest, I'm aware, even just a few dollars per month, and it'll be more than that per month, we'll say that at the end of the year, I might have paid down that loan by 1000 2000 5000 10000 I don't know. And as a result, if I go to sell it, there's an equity position money that I will get that I wouldn't otherwise get. Now you might argue and say, yeah, but then I'm going to have to pay a real estate agent and I got to go a long ways before the amount of equity I have even covers what I have to pay the real estate agent to sell the property. I, I'm aware, but look, this is a long-term play. And so the reality is the bar is very low. And then in addition to that, what if that, that 
commercial building that's 500000 300000 a million dollars, goes up at a reasonable rate of 3%, 4%, 5%. Well, look, 4% per year on a million-dollar building is $40,000. And if at the end of the year on that million-dollar purchase, I'm making payments of $10,000 a month, but I am yielding, let's say, $1,000 per month towards principal paydown. Well, that means you combine the $12,000 along with the $40,000. And even if I have to buy that building and my payment is $2,000 per month more than what I'm paying in rent, $2,000 times 12 is $24,000 against $40,000 increase in value plus $12,000 in principal pay down. I have $52,000 against $24,000. If I tell you, you give me $24,000, i will give you $52,000. What would you say to that? In addition to that, I now also have this wonderful thing called depreciation, which means that I can now get tax-free dollars on any cash flow that I'm getting. So if I own a building, it is not my goal. It is not my goal. If you own a duplex, it is not my goal to have the tenant pay me and they make the payment and I don't have to make a house payment. It is not my goal. My goal is to pay top lease payments to my own business or my own building. And remember that your own building is always going to be in a separate LLC versus the one that's in your business. Well, your business then is paying rent to the LLC that owns the business or owns the building, forgive me. Well, I would rather take that profit money that would be fully taxed as income tax, very possibly at a high level, and pay it to the LLC that owns the building because now I can put depreciation against it and I get those same dollars without paying any income tax on it. It is my goal to pay rent or lease payments to my own property. That's it's also my- worth pointing out here that you, you say a conservative 3 or 4%, even if the building doesn't gain in value, year to year, it was it was a million dollars to buy it, it's a year later, the building's still worth about a million dollars, you're still coming out ahead in that equation. You know, no question about it. That's And Evan brings up a great point. This is why I love hard assets. You know, people say, oh, that sounds risky, and it cracks me up because they put their money in, in paper investments all day long, and they don't even have stock certificates anymore. They have nothing to show for these things. You, when you buy real estate, you have a hard asset. So I like it in any event. So the bar is very low for an owner-occupier of buying a, a building. Now, if I buy a business, the question is, am I going to be someone who works in the business as an active participant or am I simply going to see the over, oversee the management of it? But I'm never going to be involved in doing the thing that the business does, producing or providing the product or service, because those are very different things. Most people, most of you listening to this, are brought up to be practitioners, do a job and get paid for a job. As an investor in a business, I might not have any interest whatsoever in becoming a plumber or an electrician or fixing garage doors or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is. I don't want to do that at all. I want to buy the business and I want it to make. So I'm not looking at the income that you may be selling the business are making on top of what little profit margin there is at the end. I'm only looking at the profit margin because I'm going to have to pay you or somebody else to keep doing that job in the business. So I have to I have to recognize how high is my bar to yield real success to me. And the truth is a lot of small business owners simply bought themselves a job and they didn't even buy themselves a job because they never paid for a business. All they did is say I'm going to go out on my own, which means they really became salespeople. 
That's why I tell tell someone, if you do this thing, you're not really in the business of being good at doing this thing. You're in the business of talking people into paying you for doing this thing. That's the real business you're in. I don't care that you're the best at this. Hey, I'm good at this. Yeah, great. But if nobody pays you to do it, who cares, right? Yeah, it's actually a good point that business isn't a true meritocracy. Because if no one knows you exist, it doesn't matter how good your product is. You won't sell a single one. Right. You could have the very best car on the market. You you hand build them. They're better than Ferraris. But if no one knows your name, you're not going to sell any of them. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. And too many people who work for other people who go to work in the morning and that thing that we just described has already taken place for them. So they're going to work at a place because somebody sold a deal. Somebody somebody sold the idea on the person who's getting this thing to pay for it to have you come in and do it. So that's eliminated from your equation. So when you go out on your own, you think your work just speaks for itself. Well, I mean, I'm so good at this. Everybody's going to want me. And once I do one or two jobs, everybody's going to tell everybody about it. And I'm just going to have so much business I won't know what to do with it. Absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. I don't want to drive us too far afield, but it's one of the most basic pieces of salesmanship training. If you're a really great salesman, that's awesome, right? Absolutely. Your clients love you. It doesn't matter what field you're in. I'm in insurance. If you're really great at sales, you think, well, that's cool. My clients will recommend me to other people. No, they won't. Not until you go to them and say, hey, I really appreciate it if you're satisfied with your service to refer me to, you know, your friends or whatever. And then they go, oh, yeah, I love you. I absolutely I'll do that. But if you don't ask them and tell them that you you need them to spread the word, it just doesn't happen no matter how good you are. Evan just brought up the difference between organic referrals and actively developing referral business. And they are very different things. And for a lot of you who are good practitioners, Look, the reason you work for other people is because you don't want to do that. You're uncomfortable with that. That's just not who you are. Well, then you have no business going into business for yourself. So when you start a new business and you don't have that, you will have a high bar. You buy an existing business, even if it's an existing business that is failing because it hasn't done a good job. Because And what's a perfect example of why? Because you have a practitioner who owns a business who doesn't know how to generate sales. Maybe they had a great business when they were a one-person show because they were able to generate enough business by word of mouth. But once they have two, three, four, five people, now that word of mouth thing doesn't work anymore because now maybe they've pulled themselves out of the field. They don't even have a lot of customer interaction. And the people who are working for them, they work for other people because they don't want to be that salesperson. They don't want to be doing that while they're on the job. And so now how are we going to generate enough volume, enough sales, enough work to keep three, four, five people busy? Hence why most small businesses stay small and aren't succeeding. But at least if I buy an existing business that has a reputation of good work, maybe it doesn't have a ton of sales. Maybe it certainly needs more. But at least I walk in the door and there's revenue that's being generated and has been ongoingly. That beats the heck out of walking into a business, buying equipment, quitting my job and and, and looking around and saying, well, how am I going to get somebody to pay me for this now? And you have no one. So recognize that that has value. And the types of businesses that I'm looking for to purchase are the ones that have obvious challenges. 
I'm not looking for the business that runs flawlessly because that business doesn't allow me or provide me with an opportunity to make it grow quickly and make a significant amount of money by increasing its sales volume with whatever it is that I bring as a strategy to it to improve it. Once the infrastructure is created, once I have people in the business doing the work who know what they're doing and in our experience, I have a leg up. Now, it could be that the culture in that business sucks and I have to change that culture. That That's a high bar. But if I think about an existing uh, uh, building that I'm going to buy, I, I have many people who will go out into the world to try to buy a building for their business. And they look around and they come back to me and say, Todd, they want so much money for these buildings. I mean, this building was built in 1950 and oh my gosh, they want X number of dollars per square foot. And I say, okay, you're spending this much money on rent. We're upside down a bit, but we could sublease a portion of that biz, that building and we could get to a break even point. Now I've already made made the point that you might be able to pay more in rent in the form of a payment. Your payment might be bigger than your rent and you might still be way ahead. And now you're forcing yourself to put money away, kind of like a forced saving plan, which might not be a bad thing. But either way, I can find a way to try to shore that up. But then I'll have clients who say, you know what? I can't find a building. And I'll just tell you this. When it, when it comes to commercial space, you look at a building that's 10,000 square feet or smaller, those businesses keep climbing, climbing, or the buildings keep climbing, climbing, climbing. And the reason is very simple because nobody wants to build them because there's not enough profit margin in them. And so they're building these monstrosities and they're not appreciating. But the smaller ones, just like starter homes, doesn't matter what the interest rate is. They just keep going up, up, up. So if I'm going to buy a bit an existing building, it may be very expensive, but compared to what? Well, compared to new construction. So, Todd, I can't find a building. They want too much money for them. I'm just going to build my own. Huh. Well, do you know that the cost of new is probably three times the cost of, of buying an existing building? Even Not if, to mention good luck finding a good place for it. Well, true, too. True, too. And, and, and the time that it takes to do it and the transition and the downtime that it might take to do it. But it, it's really simple without even getting into all the semantics of that. The reality is it's hard to make that. It's hard, hard, hard to make that work. So business owners tell me they're going to do it and they tell me what they have written out. They show me their numbers because I teach everybody how to do that. And I all like, where did you come up with that number for the cost of the build of, of the build? For the building. Well, I went on Google, Todd, and <laughs> I typed in commercial building real estate prices, Minnesota zip code, and and I just got my answer from that. It's easy. It's uh, $200 a square foot these days. Yeah, and what do we say about construction? Always plan to spend twice as much as you anticipate, right? Uh, I mean, or way more. Or more, yeah. So think about building a half million dollar, million dollar, three million dollar building, whatever it happens to be. So my client says that to me and I say, I don't know where you got that number. I say, here's what that number is. I know the type of building you're building. I know what the facade looks like. I know what the interior, exterior, what the floors need to look like. I know what it is. Here's the cost per square foot. And they just about have a heart attack. Yeah. And, and then you mentioned, oh, and this isn't even in the insulated building. Right. And so, you know, like, oh yeah, you want the warehouse to be able to be heated in the winter, then you have to add this and so on. It adds up quick. Because so many small business owners 
think like consumers and consumers will build a, a new home versus buy an existing one without even considering any things that I'm saying. So they do the exact same thing with a commercial space for their business. It's a mistake. Let's take another break. We'll be right back. Fix Auto has been the collision repair leader in the Twin Cities for over 40 years. Hi, I'm Matt Feehan, second generation owner. Our mission at Fix Auto is to provide you with the simplest collision repair experience anywhere. If you're in an accident and you need help, my team is here and ready for you. You can find us on the web at fixautousa.com. That's fixautousa.com. We are Fix Auto, home of the wow experience. Does your sump pump run constantly? Do you want to ensure that you never have a damp, musty-smelling basement? These issues are caused by water coming off your roof, draining into your basement. Gutters can resolve these problems. William Foss is the owner of Seamless Solutions. He is honest and trustworthy. He is simply the best. If you need gutters or leaf covers, he is the guy to call. You can call him at 612-834-0664 or go to his website, SeamlessSolutionsMN.com. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412, Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience, regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer-for-life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. I have trusted attorney Brian Aho for more than 10 years to work closely with me to resolve and eliminate debt for many of my personal and business clients. Aho Law Office is the go-to firm I choose because Brian has always been caring and compassionate with my clients while tenaciously fighting to retain as much of their assets as possible while quickly eliminating their debt. Brian's extensive experience and knowledge of bankruptcy law and willingness to fight allow him to resolve challenges and cases that many attorneys won't. Don't let other attorneys learn on your dime. Rely on the experience of Aho Law Office to help you achieve relief from your creditors. Competent, compassionate legal advocates providing the clarity to protect tomorrow. 
For more information, call Brian and his staff at 612-271-4047 or email Brian directly at brian at office.com. Again, that number, 612-271-4047. Hi, this is Troy Danner of Danner's Cabinet Shop. My family has been building custom cabinets and countertops for homes in Minnesota for over 50 years. We still make the cabinets the way my grandpa did when he founded our company. My team of skilled craftsmen pride themselves on attention to detail and making sure every element of your project goes perfectly. Give me a call at 763-753-4002 or visit us online at dannerscabinets.com. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back. Welcome back. So, you know, when I when I talk with people and help them make decisions about things like this, uh, the first question I ask them is, is, you know, do you have the numbers? Have you spent the time to do the research to do the numbers at least as best we can? before we enter a due diligence period where we get even better numbers and, and more exacting information. Uh, but I want to know that preliminarily. And then the next question is, what's the strategy? What's the value or, or improvement strategy? What are we going to do to make it better? So what that means is imagine that you have two buildings that are alongside of one another, and imagine you have two businesses alongside of one another. And let's assume that they were built at the same time, they were started at the same time, that they're generating the same amount of of revenue. That's the raw money that comes in. And one of them is run flawlessly. Now, if I'm a person retiring and I simply want to take my money, buy that, buy that business or buy that commercial property. And remember, there it's a business in a box. When you buy a piece of real estate, it's a business in a box. It generates revenue, it has expenses, and presumably it has profit margin that it kicks out thereafter. Business is identical. They're just a little bit more involved with expenses, possibly. Uh, so, if I'm about to retire, well, then hey, I'm looking for an income stream to supplement my my income to live, and I'm not looking to make a lot of money, improve my net worth, and build build my financial life. Maybe, maybe I've 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 gravitated to the point in my life where I am in the income drawdown stage of my life, where I'm taking the assets that I've accumulated to that point, and I'm using them to create an income that replaced my job that I now have retired from. That's different. But if I am someone who wants to build my net worth, and there's two buildings or two businesses side by side, they generate the same amount of revenue, and one of them is managed flawlessly. It has minimized expenses, it has maximized its income potential, and it makes more money as a result of doing that, where the other one makes way less money. And let's say they're a building and one of them is in disrepair and one of them has has challenges. It's got delinquent ownership. The owners live in another state. It's not being managed as an asset very properly. And the other one is managed flawlessly. Well, if I'm the retiree, I might want to buy the one that is managed flawlessly. But if I want to build net worth and I want opportunity, I don't want to buy the building or the business that's run flawlessly. I'm looking for the one that has distinct challenges that with my skills that I bring to it, I can now make it worth infinitely more money and make it generate way more in income. That's where the opportunity is. I'm looking for those flaws. 
I'm looking for that opportunity. And it's very hard to do with new, with used in many facets. And I'm giving you broad brushes here because you could apply this exact same mentality and strategy to so many things. I'm just using a business and a building and a car and a house, but so many things, pieces of equipment that you might need for your business. Now, none of this relates so much. Well, most of it doesn't relate to personal life. Uh, I'll grant you. But if 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 I'm going to make something better, think about buying a new home and how much more more home you can get for uh, for a you know for uh, uh, or how much more you get out of a used home. I mean, I'll tell you that my home. I've we've done so many things to my home that if I bought a new home and that was done, I w- I think I would I would jump for the stars. And the person who's going to buy that from me, they're not going to have to pay for all those things that that we've done. And they're worth a lot of money. I mean, and it's like that in your business. It's like that in your, in in many other things. You're enjoying the benefit at a fraction of the cost because you're buying in the secondary market. Now, granted, you always have to have, I believe you should always have an opportunity to make it better. That's where the value lies. That's what you're trying to find. But if you can bring that to buying a business, buying a building, and then you 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 create a prototype and you do it again and again, taking that knowledge that you glean slowly and painfully and then do it again and again, as opposed to doing odd things, one-offs all over the place, which is a colossal mistake. And if you watch people who buy businesses, I mean, you've probably seen them online, they buy businesses, they acquire businesses. Now, some of those who buy businesses, they're simply looking to liquidate them or create cash as a uh, uh, an equity firm to throw off dividends for their for their investors, but that's different. If somebody wants to make a lot of money, they're turnaround kings. They're not liquidating the business. They're gonna turn that business into a very profitable venture, increase its value, and either, either enjoy the benefits of the returns that it creates, or they're gonna turn it around and sell it. Kind of like flipping a home or, or, or improving it and keeping it as a long-term investment. Either way, you need the opportunity to be able to do that. And that opportunity almost always exists dramatically more in used than it does in new. So the mentality of buying new over used is most of the time I just want it. Is it a good financial move in most cases? The answer is no. The answer is no. And no matter how expensive you think something used is, it might very well pale in comparison to how how expensive in terms of making the numbers work used is. So these are simple formulas and methodologies that methodologies uh, that you use methodologies. Sorry, my mouth is, I'm not working here. Uh, methodologies that you use to make these decisions and trying to make the decisions in a pragmatic way, simply against the numbers and the revenue that it creates is very important. If you own an existing business and you want to do this, go right to the things that you spend the most money on. Because whatever those things are, if you were to start a business in something that you already know, because apparently you already have customers who are buying that thing through your business, it's just not your thing, but it's something that's added a part of your thing because you're paying money to create it and sell it to your customers. Well, does it make sense to take something that you're already spending a half a million dollars a year on in your business and go to that thing when you know you've got a half a million dollars in revenue from day one, as opposed to... You're starting from ground zero with no customers, no revenue, and you have to 
create something from nothing. Bearing in mind also that if you're selling a product or service that nobody's ever heard of, nobody knows what it is, people don't, you don't say the thing and, and, and instantly it conjures up what it is in other people's minds. If you don't have that, that's another one of those high bars. You're having to educate people on something new. Now, we could also argue that it's harder, but that may be where the opportunity is as well. So always be thinking about how to make things work best. I'm not someone who believes in taking risk in business because I believe if you understand things, the risk is eliminated. I'm not this. If you want to take, if you want to succeed, you got to take risks as though you're playing blackjack or something. No, no. Be pragmatic. There may still be some amount of risk, some degree of risk, but you can minimize it by using intelligence and financial formulas. New versus used. Hope this helped. Merry Christmas, everybody. Have a great weekend. financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great, but who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property? How to start, manage, and sell a business? It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. This is been a paid program. The views expressed were not necessarily those of the management or ownership of KSTPAM 1500 ESPN.